Uh, yeah, uh, glad to see everybody here this morning. How's it feel to be back? Uh, yeah. That's nice. That's pretty cool. You know, um, uh, you know, pastors really ask questions like that just to get the applause, and then we pretend it was for us, and it boosts our ego. Fred's like, yeah, we do. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay. All right. So uh, we're going through our series called Greater Than, and we're talking about all these things that Jesus is uh, greater than. And today is part two of our series, and my hope for this series is twofold. My hope is if you're a Christian, if you're a Christ follower already, then as we lead towards Easter, uh, maybe you hear something in a bit of a different way that you hadn't heard it before. Maybe uh, you find a way to sort of talk about Jesus with your coworkers, with your friends, uh, just a way to maybe bridge that gap or, or something that uh, has been said that you can sort of have a conversation about and make that a little smoother. That's my hope for you. And if you're not a Christian or a Christ follower, uh, my hope is maybe just to clear a couple of things up. There's a lot of things about Christianity that are a little bit murky right now, uh, and there's a lot of confusion sometimes and questions, and so my hope is maybe as we go through some of these things, maybe we could just clean a couple things up and let you know what we really care about and how we really want to focus. Because here's one of the things that I've noticed, and, and I mentioned this a little bit last week, Christianity has been associated or become associated with really a lot of things that maybe isn't really the central hub of what we're supposed to be talking about. Last week we talked about the buildings, right? A lot of people, when times when people think about Christianity, the church, they think about these beautiful old buildings, these uh, cathedrals, these things that are, um, are amazing pieces of architecture like from the past, <laughs> Or something that was built before sometimes. Or, or, you know, as Christians, as people that go to the church, we think of this building as this central hub where, where everything happens. We talked about that a little bit last week. Uh, we think about leaders, right? Maybe you have a favorite pastor or a least favorite pastor. I don't know. Uh, maybe you've heard somebody preach that's really good. Or maybe you think about the church, you think about that specific person. But that goes the other way. There's been a lot of leaders, especially in the news the last little while, where things have come out where maybe they haven't led that well in their personal life or in their church life. And so that stuff gets associated with Christianity as well, and that can be a little bit confusing. Maybe it's politics. Uh, so many people are associating Christianity and Jesus with whether or not you're on the left or on the right, or whether you're blue or whether you're red, or whether it's this position or that position. So many leaders leverage the Bible to try to make their point or get their position across uh, whether, you know, we're going to talk about that in, in a couple of weeks as well. Maybe it's just a holiday. Maybe that's the thing that Christianity is associated with people the most. It's just a bonus that we get a couple of extra days off throughout the year from work or from school in the calendar. But that's not really what the hub of Christianity is. And that's the stuff that we want to talk about both for us as followers of Jesus so that we know how to talk about it clearly, but also uh, for people that maybe aren't really sure where we're headed. And so all of these things are a part of our faith, but they aren't really the central piece and the central hub. They're not the thing we should be putting our faith into, because when we put our faith into just one of those things, it actually weakens our faith. It doesn't strengthen it. And oddly enough, the thing that we're going to talk about today is kind of the same thing. And that's, this morning, we're going to talk about how Jesus is actually greater than Scripture, greater than our Bibles. Now, I, I'm going to ask two things of you this morning. First, I'm going to ask you to just listen carefully because I'm going to try not to say anything that's going to get me thrown off the stage or out of the building. Uh, but two, 
and I always say this, I try to say this when we're going to talk about something a little bit tricky. If you hear something this morning that you don't really love, that you don't really like, I want you to lean into that feeling. I want you to go, hmm, I wonder why that was a trigger. What part of my upbringing or my journey through faith or my journey through life triggered me to go, oh, I didn't really like that. What's, what's that thing? And then I would encourage you either to talk to me about it after or in your family, in your car on the way home or uh, you know, wherever you want to do it, but have a conversation about those things. And so first, I want to say out of the gate that Scripture is awesome. Scripture is so great. It's full of stories of God's people being delivered from unbelievable circumstances. God coming through for His people again and again and again. And a prophecy being told and it being something that happened a little bit later. It's uh, full of stories and, and wisdom on how to deal with doubt and persecution and heartache and celebration and humility and all of these like relationships and all of these things it it kind of teaches us how to live to the fullness of our lives of God's intentions right we talked a few weeks ago about the nuns and how there's this growing group of people that are non-religiously affiliated one of the reasons that uh, people are not running towards atheism all the way is because that's actually really uncomfortable for people they're like I'm not sure about the Jesus thing but the idea that my life is some sort of big accident and doesn't really have a lot of meaning doesn't really fit with me either. So, you know, the Bible, the Scriptures teach us kind of how to live our life to the fullest, to how it's sort of intended. And it, it tells us about, you know, the history of Jesus on earth, His best sermons, the behind-the-scenes conversations that all the leaders have, all this cool stuff. Scripture is full of all of these amazing details about our faith. But despite all of those things, Scripture isn't the central hub of our faith. If you think about Christianity or, or your, your faith in Jesus just as the Scriptures, I think that you're missing quite a bit about your faith and what it could be. Now, I'm sure many of you uh, many of you grew up in the church, and so I think this sort of started early on. This, this sort of idea is something that could have started even unintentionally a little bit early on, and it started through maybe a couple of simple songs. So actually, we, you know, so let's, just, let's see if we can sing these together. So, uh, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. That's right. You know this song. We, we actually sang this song in church. A couple weeks ago, as everybody, most people have, even if you haven't been in church, you've probably heard that song before. Here's another one. Uh, this one requires you to be able to spell a little bit. Uh, this one goes, uh, the B-I-B-L-E, yes, that's the book for me, I, right, I stand alone on the Word of God, the B-I-B-L-E, that's right. So you, you know these songs, and these songs are great. They're awesome songs. But here's actually one of the little problems with these songs that we maybe don't identify early, but if we look into it, we see. The implication of these lyrics in both songs is that you can believe in Jesus or we believe in Jesus because the Bible tells us so. The implication of these songs is we believe in Jesus because the Bible tells us so. There's this old phrase that says, uh, some people use it, they say, if the Bible says it, that settles it. Have we ever used that? And like we, we have these conversations, right? So this, 
this will happen. And, and, and the older we get, the more we have conversations that are a little bit harder. And we're like, I'm not sure what to do about this. And somebody will go, well, the Bible says this, so that's it. The conversation is over. That's what it says. And we're not going to talk about it anymore. And, and people get older and they go, hey, I'm being challenged. I'm being challenged. And they go, nope, this is what we believe. The conversation ends. And then all of a sudden, a little bit of doubt starts to grow. And this happens, and it all starts from this idea of we, we believe that Jesus died because that's what the Bible says. And that's just such a small piece of the whole puzzle. And if your faith is just rooted in that piece, I've got some great news for you this morning. It's going to be strengthened a little bit. You're going to be able to talk about it in a different way. And if you're a person who looks at the Bible, who's been on the outside before, and you've said, you know what, this Christianity stuff looks really appealing, but I've got some problems. Because I was reading the scriptures, I was reading the Bible, and you know what? I've noticed that scientifically there's no archaeological evidence for a worldwide flood. So I'm not sure how I feel about the scriptures. You know, there's, there's no account, uh, extra-biblically, or really uh, evidence that we can find of like this giant exodus out of Egypt. What do, what do we do with that? What, what, what about the creation story? It's mirrored, actually, in a lot of other religions. And I, you know, I took a, a history, a, a science and Christianity course a little while ago, um, and it was interesting because we went through all the different creation theories, and every one of them seemed plausible. But if, you, you know, if you're a person that goes, well, if this isn't it, then this isn't it, then the rest goes away, you know, that, that's kind of your, Christian, your faith in Jesus hangs by a thread. And there's people that will just say, hey, if the first three, verse, the first three chapters of Genesis, they're not bang, 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 that's it. The rest of it doesn't matter. That's such a bummer. <laughs> oh, man. We, we track these factual differences through the New Testament. Were there 4,000 people there? Were there 5,000? Were there 6,000? Was it just the men that were counted? How does it work? There's some places there that contradict. It's weird, right? And then there's people whose names or, or books are named for them that maybe they didn't even write the whole book. Look at Isaiah, right? The first 40 chapters of Isaiah are are written sort of in the same time in the same way, but after that, it's a different literary style, and it looks like it's actually spread out over about 150 years of history after that. So how are we, how are we supposed to reconcile that? And we start to look at our Bible, and this is where actually, and maybe I've even challenged you this morning, and you've gone, oh, don't say this. It's okay. It's going to be all right, because these are important conversations for us to have, because we might have people coming into our lives going, I'd love to believe in Jesus, but here's my hurdle. This is where I'm struggling. How do I reconcile this? And instead of us just saying, well, the Bible says, or, you know, this is what I learned, so that's it, that's what we believe, we're not going to have a conversation. Let's dig into a little bit about how Jesus overcomes so many things because it's not the Scripture that's the hub of our faith. The Scripture isn't the reason we believe in Jesus in his death and resurrection, as we're going to see in a second. Christianity does not exist because of the Bible or the Scripture. Let me say that again, and I put this up here. Christianity does not exist because of the Bible or because of your Scripture. Christianity does not exist because of the Scripture or because of the Bible that you have in your hand. Let's, let's suss that out a little bit. Let's talk about that just for a second. To see. First, we're actually going to use our Bibles to talk about this for a second, and we're going to run just into the first, or the third chapter of, of Luke. And we're going to do this just to show you how when something is written in a certain way, it actually digs into how that makes a difference and why it's so believable. So first of all, we look at our New Testament, right, uh, Matthew, Mark, 
uh, Luke, John, so one of the Gospels. Um, uh, Luke was a historian and a doctor. We've already talked about this a little bit. In his job, he was commissioned by his friend to go out and to write an accurate history of everything that happened during the time that Jesus' ministry was there. This is, this is what his goal was. He was commissioned to do this. And so he did it from a historical perspective. And if you look at the first few verses of chapter 3 in Luke, we see exactly what he does and how he does it. He says this. He says, In the 15th year, in the reign of Tiberius Caesar, when Pontius Pilate was governor, governor of Judea, Herod, tetrarch of Galilee, his brother Philip, tetrarch of Iturea, uh, and Trachonitis, uh, and Lenesius, tetrarch of Albany, during the high priesthood of, Anna, of Ananias and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John of Zechariah in the wilderness. Now, I'm a guy who sometimes struggles with the words, so I read them out phonetically, but here's the key, just if you're ever reading your Bible, you just read them fast and confident and everybody thinks you know. <laughs> right? Because some people are going, wasn't that pronounced differently? But he really said it with a lot of... Okay. Here's why Luke writes it like this. Luke writes it like this, not because he's telling a story. This isn't back in the day. This isn't when the Romans ruled. This wasn't in a galaxy far, far away or something else, something else. Luke writes this and he says, the thing that I'm about to tell you about happened here, proven by this thing and this thing and this thing and this thing. And if we look back in history, we can nail these dates down extra biblically. It's very cool because he's writing about things that happened. He's not writing the Bible, as we're going to get to in a minute. Luke is writing a historical account of things that happened. That is a big difference. He's looking at you and he's going, fact check me. I want you to know exactly when this thing was written. And here's why this is a little bit important. When first century Jews were making copies of the gospel, so this is so cool. This is one of the, the reasons that scriptures is so neat. We've got, there's no, there's no other example in the history of literature, really up until the printing press in the mid-1500s, where one piece uh, or pieces of documents were copied as much, especially as New Testament scriptures were copied. We just don't, there are just so many. And that's so cool because we've got so many different um, uh, copies available that we can compare and contrast. And sometimes you'll look in your Bibles and you'll see a little footnote and it'll say, well, this word is here, but actually in another, you know, in another, tra in another translation or another copy, it said this or it said this or it said this. And that's basically our ability to look back and all of these different things and go, wow, like after thousands of, of different manuscripts and pieces and here and there, we've got something that lines up really well because here's what they did. When they copied these pieces out, when they copied pieces of the gospel, when they copied Peter's letters and Paul's letters and all of these different pieces of our New Testament that we know, they were copying them not because they believed that they were inspired, but they were copying them because they believed they were true. Because those were things that had happened, that people had watched happen. This isn't you know, I made like six photocopies of this sermon this morning that I modified a couple of times and printed out and then half filled a recycling bin, which is a little embarrassing. But it took me about 20 seconds to do that. This is not how copying scripture happened back then. It's just not. It took a long time and it was very expensive. 
And they took their time and they copied it and copied it and copied it over and over and over. Not because they were writing the Bible, not because the Bible told them so, but because they saw this stuff happen. And there was first-hand evidence. Which is so cool. I love it. It was very expensive. It was very difficult to do this. And the second part is this happened in a very high-risk environment, which I'm sure a lot of you know. But up until, you know, 315 or so, Christianity wasn't legal. And there were a lot of people that were hunting down Christians and getting rid of them. And yet, despite that, they still copied all of these things, not because they were writing the Bible, but because they knew they were true and the evidence needed to be there. Remember, everything that you're reading in your New Testament about Jesus, all of this stuff that happened, all of these stories, all of these places, these accounts weren't written as a great narrative. These accounts were written and copied because the people that wrote them and copied them meticulously saw these things happen and believed they were true. That's the stuff that we're reading. It's like we've got a few students in the room, right? Hi to the students that are here. When are, when's report card season? I don't know. When is report card season? Is that soon? Do we have teachers in the room that are freaking out about that? I don't know. When you get a report card, the report card doesn't, the report card reflects something that happened to you, right? You didn't get an A in math because your report card said you got an A in math, or in my case, a D in math. Your report card tells you something that already happened every time you were absent, every time you were there, every time you got detention, which for me was never actually true. The one time I should have got it, I skirted it. And that part wasn't on the report card. That's a story I just get to tell. But everything that's on that report card isn't, isn't you know, a history of things that were going to happen. That stuff is there because it already happened. It's evidence of something that happened and then you keep it in a binder if you're my parents and then you flip through them all 20 years later and go, ha, ah, remember when you didn't do your homework? <laughs> yes, I do. I remember doing a better job of making sure you didn't find out too, but maybe not, right? It's really important that we remember that, that nobody sat down to just write the Bible. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. That's not how it went. People wrote things that happened, that evidence, that took place. The, the, the Bible, our scriptures, has multiple authors, uh, multiple languages, literary styles, generations, and all of these things were written not because somebody was trying to make a beginning and an end or an old and a new or make it linearly make sense. They were writing these things down because they are things that they saw, that they experienced, and they needed to record. And those things last generations and generations and generations, not because somebody just wanted to write a great book, but because truth makes its way through. And so then that leads us to this part as we sort of get into Easter. Jesus didn't die just because the Bible told you so. <laughs> Jesus didn't die just because the Bible told you so. Jesus died for so many reasons that are so much bigger than that. Luke recorded this story of Jesus dying. Matthew, Mark, John, all of these different people recorded it from their different perspectives because that's the things that they saw. 
Peter, James, Paul, all of these other New Testament writers, they didn't write things because they saw, hey, my buddy's writing a book, so I should write one too. It was, this is the things we saw, and these things got recorded and passed along. (laughs) Not because it was just good writing, but because it was something that people believed happened so strongly that they couldn't let it die no matter the risk or no matter the expense. And this means something else really incredible too. Before the Old Testament and New Testament were combined into the Bible, here's a few things that happened. Christianity had already replaced the pantheon of Roman, barbarian, and most Egyptian gods. And, uh, in the mid-300s, became the state religion of Rome. The first, second, and third century Christians, Christians who faced tremendous hardships believed in Jesus before the Bible told them so. Peter, James, John, Luke, Paul, they didn't choose to follow Jesus because they had this infallible copy of the Old Testament. They didn't call it the Old Testament. They called it the Scriptures. They didn't follow it because they had this infallible copy of the Old Testament. If you went up, if you went up to Paul tomorrow and you went, hey, you know, I read your letter, but look at I was reading the creation story and it's like, it's like seven literal days, is it figure of days, was there a gap in there? My, my whole faith is sort of hinging on what this looks like. Paul would go, I, I don't know what you're talking about. But I know people who saw this person die and then three days later came back to life. That's what we saw happen. That's what we know happened. That's what I experienced when I experienced God on the road to Damascus. So you can question that stuff. A little. I'm just telling you what I saw and what I experienced and what I know. Right? You look at all the history from Jesus arriving on the scene and the stable and the way that he did. Uh, Palm Sunday and his entrance, the resurrection, spreading the gospel across the Mediterranean Rim, which is what Paul and James and Peter and all of these first century church leaders did. The takeover of Christianity as the Roman state religion because one of the reasons they did this is because the emperor needed to find a way to unite the kingdom. And the way he did that was that so many people believed that this stuff was true that if he made it legal, actually it would bring people together. It was something so many people agreed upon as truth, as fact, that he actually was able to take advantage of that to to unify the kingdom. You know what this means? This means that Christianity made most of its greatest strides during the 282 years before your Bible existed. Christianity made most of its biggest strides in the world. Its entrance, it went through the first three centuries where it had no business surviving. We're going to get to Good Friday and we're going to get to Easter Sunday in a couple of weeks, right? On Good Friday, when Jesus died, there was no Christianity, there were no more Christians. That was the Savior and He died. That was it. It was over. Until it wasn't. Right? All of this stuff happened before the Bible told us so. Jesus was born in 2 BC, which is a whole calendar thing and is confusing, and you can look it up later. I'm not going to explain it. The Gospels were all written before 70, and, you know, Christianity was made legal in the mid 300s, and then after that, a bunch of people got together 
and put scriptures together into what we see now is your Bible, which is chaptered and versed and colored and bound and all of these things. But before we ever saw this, there were enough people that looked and said, Jesus died and rose again, that it made it from there to here. That's so cool. That is so, that is so much stronger than just saying, because the Bible told me so. Right? There's just, there's just no explanation for how it should have lasted that long. How people would have been martyred, would have risked their lives, would have gone to such great expense if it wasn't a truth worth making sure lived. So leading into Easter, we say that we believe Jesus rose from the dead not because the Bible sells us so, because it's way better than that. Christianity doesn't hang by the thread of of the Bible tells me so, or that's just what I read. It's so much more significant because when you dig into it and you look at the history, you realize and you go, oh, 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 look at how it was written. Look at the way it was pieced together. It's not just this. It's so much bigger. It's the evidence that carries us through. And I'd love for you to be able to talk to people about it that way. I think that's a way that makes it practical. People can land. It's, it's a little bit more tangible because that original story that original story of Christ's death and resurrection as we move towards Easter as, as told by Matthew and Mark and Luke and John in their historical and experiential perspectives, it's defensible, it's endurable, it's fearless, it's all these great things that we should be able to hang our hats on and go, this is so exciting. So here's how we'll wrap up. Jesus loves you, this you know, for John, who watched his friend die and then had breakfast later with him on the beach, got the opportunity to tell you so. Jesus loves you, this you know. For Luke, who interviewed eyewitnesses to make sure it was so, wrote it down and made it to you. Jesus loves you, this you know, because a converted, self-righteous, Jesus-hating Pharisee in Paul had an experience with God and then spent the rest of his life risking it so that you could find out about it. His original authors were, or his original followers were, were martyred for believing this just so that it could make it to you. So much bigger than just saying, because the Bible tells me so. Second reason here, something thing to think about. The reason you should consider following Jesus we're talking about this in a different way, actually has nothing to do with the book. <laughs> the death and resurrection of Jesus doesn't have anything to do with the book. The book records what happened, and it documents those witnesses, but again, the meaning is so much bigger. Jesus didn't die and raise again so it could be written down. He died and rose again so that we could live in harmony with Jesus the way we were supposed to in the first place, so that your life can have meaning so that you can go to your friends and learn to live and love them in a better way that is so much bigger than just the book i was thinking about this uh this week and a song came to mind and i thought do i do that because it's like 
it's kind of an older song, like older, I don't know how much older it is compared to how old people, songs people think are, but it's this band called Down Here, and I've made this joke before, uh, like if you gave me like worship music, a worship music choice, give me like 2000 to 2008, like everything like Hillsong, United Starfield, and Down Here, and then I just casually mentioned this to uh, Benjamin and Bree in the back, I was like, have you heard of Down Here? They're like, how do you know those guys? We went to school with those guys. And so then I'm still getting to know them, so I wanted to look chill and not like a loser, and like I was totally fanning out. So I was like, oh yeah, yeah, that's cool, that's cool, that's cool. <laughs> can you get me their number? I know you guys can hear me. No, okay. They wrote this song that's always stuck with me uh, and just fits this perfectly. I'm not going to sing it because that's a bad idea, but here's some of the lyrics. And just honestly, like, like think about this through the perspective of how you talk about your faith. Think about some of these questions that these lyrics ask through the perspective of how you're going to talk about Easter with the people that you're around or how you explain your faith to people when they ask. If they shut down the churches, where would you go? If they melted all the stained glass windows and replaced every sanctuary with a condo, where would you go? If they burned every Bible, what would you know? If they tore up your marked up pages, how would you grow? If they declared your devotion to be criminal, what would you know? How would you know? How would you learn about this stuff? How would you believe that it was true if you didn't have that physical thing in front of you? And the chorus just says, we're a cathedral made of people in a kingdom that the eye can't see. We're a house. We're the bride where God's spirit lives inside and nothing ever can stand against her. I love that so much. This, this thing that we call Christianity, this following of Jesus, this death and resurrection, it is recorded in this amazing book that we should love and cherish and hold dear, but it is not because of this book. Christianity doesn't exist because of this. We know about Christ's death and resurrection because of this book, but Christ didn't die and rise again because of this book. Jesus is so much greater than our scripture. And 25 minutes ago when I said that, some people went, uh, is this going to be my last Sunday? <laughs> and it was all of you that just laughed. But now, hopefully, at least a couple of you are going to come back because you're going to go, wow, <laughs> actually, yeah. That doesn't mean that we put any less importance on our scriptures. That doesn't mean we toss it aside. In fact, it should make us even more curious. It should make us ask more questions and dig deeper and go, wow, look at all of these amazing recordings of history that happened. How can I learn more about how that happened? Because the more you do that, the more we're going to be able to tell other people about a death and resurrection and a risen Lord and a risen Jesus who did it for you and for all the people who don't even know it happened for them yet. And that's what this season should be about. A celebration of a death and a life, not just for us who get to come here, but for everybody who doesn't know it yet. And if this is the way that you talk about it to somebody else, because their problems are, I need to overcome this piece, I need to overcome that piece. Maybe that's the conversation you start with. You know, 
let's dig into actually how this thing got put together. Let's give you a little bit of confidence and context into these stories so that as you read them, you know how they got put together. Because Jesus is so much greater than just the Bible or just the scriptures on their own. Let's pray together. God, thanks so much for that. Thanks so much that you are so much greater than just one story or one book or one time and one place in history, one location, one thing that we like. God, you sent Christ down to live, to give us an example of how to treat people, to find a new way to interact with you. And then you sacrificed him to show us that you could overcome death, that you were greater than anything that we could even saddle or put on you or our faith so that we could overcome all of the things in our world as well and so that we could live in eternity with you. What an amazing gift, Lord. And thanks for that. And I pray that as we go out into our our places this week where people are, Lord, that you would just remind us of that. You would give us confidence in the hope and the reassurance that we can talk about that in a way that other people are going to see it and hear it. Lord, give us the words, give us the wisdom. So many times I think we depend on ourselves to come up with the right stuff. God, just, just let us depend on you. Let us be a vessel for your message, not the other way around. God, let us remember that there are a lot of great things about our faith. We love our buildings, and we love our leaders, and we love our scriptures, but at the end of the day, it's all centered around Jesus. And Lord, we're so thankful for the strength and the power that comes in that. Amen.